Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build relations between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to introduce you to people and stories relating to Israel to give you a window to look through experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We always want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, anytime. Or feel free to be in touch with us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end of the program, where we're also going to share some exciting opportunities and offers, and please feel free to share this with others who you know will find it of interest. So today, I'm real excited about this conversation. I think it's the first time that we've had four guests at one time, and not just four guests, but four journalists, which makes me a little... um, uh, humble because here I am doing an interview with four people who are usually on the other side of the microphone, but I'm, I'm actually putting them into the center of a story that took place in the middle of December. Last, uh, last month, Israel, the Israel government press office hosted the sixth uh, Christian media summit right here in Jerusalem. And it was the sixth time the la- last year, unfortunately had to be, uh, virtual. For most of the participants, but it was the sixth time that that the Israel government press office hosted this gathering, and we'll talk about what that means. But in this case, as I understand, I didn't actually count. There were more than 150 individual participants from dozens of nations. So today we have four different guests who are representing four different media from four different nations. And I want to just welcome them each individually and then ask each one to uh to introduce themselves and their and their ministry and and uh their their media expertise um before we get into some conversations about what it was like being here in Jerusalem then. So first, in alphabetical order, Elise Ann Allen, who's joining us from Rome, yes? Yes. And I am. Uh, and we have Felicia Ferreira who is who is from Sweden but happens to be sitting in Portugal at the moment so we can take credit for two different countries Risto Huvila who is in Finland and Johnny Kim in Korea and so I'm just excited to have the four of you and maybe because I started in alphabetical order um would you each just take a minute or two and introduce yourselves and your respective uh, ministries, where you're writing for, and who your audience is, or where you're. It may not be writing; it's it's media in general, but your broadcast. Elise. Sure. Um, so, as Jonathan mentioned, my name is Elise Allen, and I am actually a native of Denver, Colorado, in the United States. Um, but for the past nine years, since 2013, I have been living in Rome. Um, covering Pope Francis in the Vatican um, for a publication called Crux, which is a Catholic news outlet um, that was initially launched by the Boston Globe, a a big, um, reputable newspaper in the United States. So we were launched by the Boston Globe in 2014. 
um, and went independent in 2016. And we've maintained our independence since then. And we cover, um, yeah, we concentrate mostly on the Vatican and, and the Pope and what they do kind of on a day-to-day -day basis. And we kind of follow the Pope around the world. But um, anything of interest to religion, faith, um, the Catholic Church as a whole, but also the you know, it's interactions with other faith communities. Um, so pretty much anything that the Vatican touches, we also are there. That's fascinating. Now, so I don't forget, where can people follow what you're doing? Um, so our website is cruxnow.com. Cruxnow.com. Crux, C-R-U-X. Terrific. And I, is that only in English? It is only in English. Uh, we have aspirations. We'd like to expand to other languages in the future, but for the moment, it's only in English. Fantastic. Great. Okay. So I want to, we're going to come back and speak about, uh, more about what you're doing. Felicia, thank you for uh, taking time on vacation today. Tell us about you and, and uh, your, your um, journalistic footprint and, and ministry in Sweden. Thank you, Jonathan, for, for having me. You know, it's so interesting because preparing for this, you sent us some information and some questions and you keep calling it a ministry. And just this has been like a good reflection for me. Like, yeah, this is a type of ministry. I'm not just a journalist, you know. It is a type of ministry. So that was a, an interesting word of choice uh, for, for, for this, this as well. So, yes, I am Felicia Ferreira. I am from Sweden, where I am currently the CEO and editor-in-chief of Dagen. It's a Swedish daily Christian newspaper founded in 1945 and wow. you know covers um politics and society but from a christian perspective and also we do cover um churches and denominations throughout sweden and internationally uh, as well as of course israel and these type of topics that we will be discussing today um we uh, produce around 120, 140 articles per week. Uh, our um, biggest channel is dagen.se for all you Swedish-speaking people out there listening. Um, I don't know how many you are. And we have around 300 and, you know, 250,000 to 300,000 page views per week. So that's, you know, our biggest audience. We do also come out with a... Uh, a paper, print paper, three days per week. By now, it's been uh, more days before, but we've had to reduce the the frequency since it's nowadays quite expensive to to get, give out a print paper. Sure. So, so that was a, a summary of us. And you spoke about that also, which I'm going to get into a little bit. But you spoke about the the shift of uh, of media and and, and specifically newspapers. Um, but what I, I'm impressed uh, that you maintain a daily paper in a country that's largely secular. What, what did you say? I think about 15 percent of the country is is uh, religious or Christian. Um, uh, not really. But if you ask the specific question, do you believe there is a God, a living God, then 15 percent will answer yes. Um, so, so that's that number. If you ask them, do you believe in something or do you believe in some type of God? The number gets a little bit higher, but not much though. So, I mean, yes, definitely one of the world's most secular countries. Secular countries and, and even um, because it's in Swedish, your market is limited anyway. So definitely. You, 
in order in order to have more uh, readers and viewers, you need more believers. Yes, definitely. Okay. All right. Well, let's pray for all of that. Risto, uh, welcome yes, from sir. Finland. Tell us about yourself. We've got you wear a few hats. Yeah. No hats today, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I, I, I'm chairman of the Federation of Finland-Israel Associations, uh, a federation founded in 1954, a traditional friendship association in, in uh, uh, eight different uh, cities around Finland and, and um that federation is is even though most of us we are uh bible believing christians but this is uh a federation of of both christians and jews so it's it's not that religious at all uh we are wor- working with with uh politicians and and government officials uh to promote israel and of course uh among the the normal population as well Additionally, I'm vice chair of the Finnish Holocaust Remembrance Association and uh, also uh, the secretary for the parliamentary group against anti-Semitism that was founded uh, last April. And uh, according to my knowledge, our group in the Finnish parliament is the only a parliamentary group against anti-Semitism in, in the European Union. Wow. So that is something I'm really excited about. What comes to to media, I'm kind of a freelancer. I'm I'm writing on on a couple of Finnish uh, Christian media, both websites and, and, and weekly papers. And uh, I also uh, write... Uh, for Jerusalem Post and, and Times of Israel. And um, I've authored uh, two books. And and the first of them, uh, The Miracle of Israel and President Truman, uh, has also been translated into English. So, yeah, I do some TV uh, and, and uh, have had my monthly talk show. And um, so that's pretty much what I do here in Finland. As I said, many hats. Um, as somebody who's read the book, your book about uh, President Truman, um, I want to just give a, a strong endorsement for it. It's real important for people in general, and and I think Jews and Christians specifically, to understand um, President Truman's important role from the United States, at least, in those um, pivotal months in 1940. Seven and forty-eight. Uh, there you go, drinking from a, a President Truman coffee mug. That's great. I love that. I want one. <laughs> and uh, and and his role there, but his role not just as president, but also as a as a strong Christian. And and um, I what what's to, also so people can be in touch and follow you specifically, starting with the book. Where where do we find you? Find the book and uh, and follow you. Yeah. Uh, truman.fi okay. is my website, personal okay. website. So truman.fi. Terrific. So I encourage people to do. And let's just, uh, Johnny, you're you're muted, but let's uh, let's now move uh, somewhat east and talk to Johnny Kim, 
who is joining us from Seoul, Korea. So Elise, I want to come back to you because I think if I remember correctly, this was, I don't recall it was your first time in Israel, but this is your first time at the Christian Media Summit, correct? Yes. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. What was that like? What was what was eye opening for you covering coming to Israel with your unique um, view co- covering the Vatican? Well, you know, for me, this experience was eye opening at, at many levels. I guess I mean, you know, I the last time and only time previously that I've been in Israel was for Pope Francis's visit in 2014. Um, so it's been a few years. And, you know, when you come with the Pope and his as part of his like entourage, you know, um, you're in a fairly insular world, you know, and you're looking at things through a fairly specific lens. You're following the Pope around and you're you're pretty focused on his agenda and what he's saying and doing. And so you don't really have a chance to see much else or get to know much else. You're pretty focused on that one story. Um, So for me to come again in a much different context um, was very interesting. Um, It was I think just very informational for me at um, at a basic level, just to get to know what this conference was. You know, it, for me, it was, as you mentioned, my first time um, being invited to the Christian Media Summit. And um, so it was a really, it was a learning experience for me, really trying to figure out, okay, what what is this event? What is its goal? You know, and, and what um, who else is here? You know, so just kind of getting a feel for it. Um but I really enjoyed a lot of the things that we did. Um, I enjoyed the the itinerary. We had a lot of interesting talks um, and, and we visited a lot of really interesting places. So for me, um, you know, coming, it was interesting too, because, you know, I, I wasn't sure what the, you know, the pot would be like in terms of um, how mixed the pot would be in terms of representation of who's there, what media outlets. Um, so for me, it was, um, you know, I wasn't entirely surprised. So there was mostly Christian evangelicals there. Um, and so there were, I think, maybe four of us Catholic publications. And, you know, we we have um, our own unique view just coming from um, a place that's has a very structured hierarchy. And, you know, in the Vatican, um, we're, I mean, we're used to covering and thinking about the Vatican. I guess it's, it's interesting in that it is a place where it's it's a a religious organization, the Pope is the head of a faith, but he's also the head of state. And yeah, so yeah. you have an interesting intersection between faith and politics and faith um, and sort of diplomacy and the happenings of the world. So for me, it was very interesting to come into Israel with such a strong Jewish identity and to see, you know, it, it wasn't so strange for me to think of faith and politics and and diplomacy ah. at, at that level as well. So it was it was interesting for me to hear um, I, I learned a lot and I, I knew a lot about the Jewish faith, of course, through my dealings with, you know, the Vatican and Jewish community here. I've talked to a lot of representatives. We visited the synagogue on multiple occasions here in sort of the Jewish quarters in Rome. Um, but it was interesting for me to hear more of the background in terms of, yeah, just background on Israel and their own position on different happenings and different current events. For me, that was, I think, very interesting. One of the most interesting points, I would say. What an interesting observation, because I've never made the association, but it, but a, a parallel in terms of the Vatican being obviously the center of Catholicism, but also a, a, a state and Israel, you come to a Jewish state where Judaism is at the center, but it has the whole uh, geopolitical 
component as well. Thanks for sharing that. That's amazing. Uh, Johnny, we were having some technical issues when I was introducing you. Um, Mm -hmm. I would love for you to introduce yourself. And I think you're a veteran, so maybe talk about your experience. But but first, just share with our listeners um, about yourself and and, uh, your ministry. Well, uh, thank you for inviting me for your great show. And uh, I'm Johnny Kim, living in Seoul, working for GCN Broadcasting Incorporated, Global Christian Network TV, 24-7, Evangelical Christian TV and the production and broadcasting. And uh, we produce a wide variety of Christian, Evangelical Christian programs, including teachings and sermons and worship and documentaries and testimonies. And we do uh, live broadcasting for worship services and uh, Christian events. Uh, and uh, Christian performances, etc. And uh, it was great experience for me to participate in uh, 2002 uh, Christian Media Summit last month in Jerusalem, because uh, it was a great uh, you know, chance to understand uh, why the variety of facts about Israel, Israeli societies, from the top level lecturers from different parts of, soci- of the society, uh, including government and the parliament, uh, entertainment, cultural, uh, you know, uh, field, an academic field, even business field. So uh, it was great. And uh, most importantly, uh, for me, it is great. Why? Because Israeli government, GPO, government press office, officially recognized the significance of evangel- uh, uh, Christian media uh, as a good friend of Israel. And uh, to uh, uh, do their best to build a great relationship and strong relationship between Israel and the Christian uh, media and the through Christian media, Christian you know, society around the world. Yeah. It was a great opportunity for me. Thank you. Now, but you've you've been here a number of times. You're not a you're not a new. It wasn't your first time at the Christian Media Summit, and not only that, you had this incredible opportunity. In the uh, shadow of the uh, western of the wall of the old city, not just to pray but to mm-hmm. sing in Hebrew. Yeah. So what, what was what was unique for what was unique for your coming here this time? Oh, uh, as you mentioned, it was a great privilege and honor for me to sing in Hebrew and to pray uh, on behalf of uh, Christian media leaders from the, uh, 30 different countries or when the, uh, the Honorable Mayor of the uh, City of Jerusalem participated and uh, welcomed uh, the participants of the C- uh, Christian Media Summit. So why I sang uh, in Hebrew, uh, specifically the uh, Jerusalem of God, Yerushalayim Zel Jahab, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to show my love toward the state of Israel and the people of Israel. Uh, with my very, you know, uh, <laughs> awkward uh, Hebrew. And uh, I, I was touched to invite uh, the director of GPO, Nijan Khan, who had done a great job, yes. uh, so that we might sing together to uh, glorify God and praise God and, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, be united together uh, with the Hebrew song, the beautiful song. I like that song so much. Yeah, it's a oh, it's, it's, an, for me it's a beautiful time. song. It was wonderful how you did it. We we spoke right afterward, and I had said I couldn't hear a hundred percent of what of your singing, but I did feel the mm-hmm. passion, the intensity of uh, and, and the moment. And for listeners who don't know and want to ask, <laughs> please be in touch. 
the song Jerusalem of Gold mm-hmm. is iconic because it's it's so connected to the history of Jerusalem and the yearning for Jerusalem. And it happened to originally be performed and then revised in 1967, just before and then just after uh, Israel was able to reunify Jerusalem in 1967. Yeah, it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Felicia, I want to come to you. Um, you also, it was your first summit, correct? If I remember correctly. Yes. Yes, and was. you were also not only invited to come to the summit, but you were also, and I, I still think it was one of the greatest uh, speeches, one of the greatest presentations during the summit. And I was grateful for you to share at least what you had written as a draft. What was it like for you being here first time as, as part of the summit? Um, yes. Uh, yeah, y- you're right. I, I was invited to speak as well. And I was so honored that they would think of me, even though they, you know, didn't know me very, very well. Um, it was, uh, for me, nice to put somewhat a European perspective as well on the different things that we were discussing during the summit. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm super impressed by the summit in general and overall, you know, coming from where I'm coming from, uh, you cannot take for granted that you can go visit a, a Christian media conference and, you know, saying, you know, it's hosted by, by the government of Israel. So I'm going, you know, you'll get a lot of questions. And I'm not sure that is the same for, for all the participants there. You know, maybe for them, people will say, oh, wow, cool, you know, have fun. Uh, but in my case, you know, I really have to think it through and have to think through, you know, which arguments do I have to go um, to to uh, something you know hosted by by someone's government or a country's government um, but but I do not have any any problems defending that uh, whatsoever I found it super interesting I think really like I said in my speech as well as I looked through the program uh, the ambition of the program was was very clear and that was to give like a diversity of perspectives and you know the, the different panels and the debates and the discussions really proved, you know, that and they would say throughout the conference, you know, wherever there's, what is it, two Jews gathered, there will be three opinions. Is that is that what you say? Uh, at at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least, at least three opinions. And I, I think the conference showed that as well and the program showed that as well. So, so you know, I don't have any any problem saying to anyone that is asking, you know, that there were a, var- a variety of, of perspectives. So uh, for me, it was super interesting. And, and I will, you know, bring back with me a lot of the information that we uh, had the opportunity to gather there as well. Amazing. Great. When you think of Jerusalem, you probably think of its historic and biblical sites. Run for Zion is a trip unlike any other. You will join tens of thousands of Israelis interacting with Jerusalem as you never have and never imagined you would. You'll connect with and bless Israelis of all backgrounds. If you've never been to Israel and are dying to come visit or haven't been for a while and can't wait to get back, Run for Zion is the opportunity for you. And now, if you register today, you can join us for as little as $29. Yes, that's for real, just $29. Run for Zion is a pilgrimage and service experience that gets you out of the tour bus, interacting with the people and the land. Check out runforzion.com for details and come run for Zion and bless Israel with every step. Uh, Risto, I want to come to you. Also, not uh, not a uh, first-timer, veteran, 
And you had the opportunity to speak on the final day um, in the Knesset. Um, and I wasn't sure if that was planned or if that was uh, an honor that was given to you between the Knesset speakers. But what was your experience this time that was unique here? Mm. Yes, this was my third time at the uh, media summit. And uh, after these COVID years, of course, it, it was highly expected to to get back to Jerusalem and, and, and to meet all the new colleagues in the summit. And um, for me, um, this time was very, I would say, maybe deeper than than those previous events, especially the trip we, we made to the Gazan border and met people who who live uh, lives under under the threat uh, just um, a few hundred meters from from the border uh, as we visited the the kibbutz there and heard heard from people what is it to live there under the threat and and uh, at at some times thousands of rockets are are coming in and and uh, not just uh, i think in in the West and in Finland, there, those rockets and kites have been blamed as, you know, children's toys. And 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 uh, I would say that uh, I, I I have problems with the leftist politicians who team up with Hamas and people that terrorize not only Israelis but also the people in Gaza. And uh, that was very powerful to understand. Uh, the how how people feel under what co- uh, circumstances they they live and uh, sure and, yeah and being the veteran with your experience and your parliamentary work and the anti-Semitism these are not things that are new to you it wasn't all of a sudden that you were being presented on the border with Gaza in these communities the fact that there is this um, proclivity for terror coming from from Gaza. By the way, I want to just interject as an Israeli Jew, I'm so glad you also mentioned the 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 terror that's inflicted by Hamas in Gaza among the Palestinian Arabs who who live there. I feel for them tremendously. They're they're caught often between a, a rock and a hard place. Um but being there, seeing it for the first time, I when, when you had all of these experiences going there and op- that that opened your eyes differently, didn't it? It it really did, and uh, I think that's uh, in Finland the most pro-Israel people have uh, only visited Jerusalem and and the holy places, and and uh, all they know about uh, terror is 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 from the news, and and I think it it really changes your mind and heart when you visit the places and. And uh, I will, I will not be quiet about these things. And you know, just uh, two years ago, almost three, three years ago, one one uh, member of the Finnish Parliament, a representative of of the Left Alliance, uh, who who portrays herself as communist, believe or not, they they still exist at least here in Finland. <laughs> so she tried to infiltrate through the fence ah. to Gaza. 
And Israeli uh, police, of course, came and, and arrested her. And and uh, when she came back, she was, you know, portraying the the situation that that you know the the hostile Israeli police um, didn't honor her her that that she was a member of parliament. And so we have this kind of people who are doing all kind of tricks and and stupid things to defend and promote uh, Hamas, which is is about to to uh, destroy the Jewish state. And uh, I'm going to be loud here. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Elise, coming back to you first, it's not the first time in Israel, but a very different experience, right? Uh, then, then, then I don't mean in a, in a negative way, but just covering the Pope's visit, you got to see a lot more. What, what jumped out as being the, the, the most significant, impressive, um, best experience, if you will? Um, well, I think for me, the, the second, the, I guess the second full day, right, is the program began on Sunday evening. And so the Monday, we had a lot of very interesting panels, but I think you know, Tuesday, as, you know, Risto was saying, being able to visit um, the Neset communities, uh, or excuse me, the, the, kibbutz, the kibbutz communities. We, the, the Neset was very interesting as well on the final day. I enjoyed that very much. But the kibbutz communities and being able to visit um, that border area near Gaza, I think, was very eye-opening, um, as he was saying, and being able to see the reality that people in that area live um live with on a daily basis, you know, with their, you know, for me, it was very striking to see um, the playgrounds for the children, you know, and, and, you know, everything very protective, concrete, they have to always think about um, how to protect in case something comes in an unexpected moment, you know, um, I found that to be very interesting, but I also found it very interesting um, being able to visit the, the training base or the, the base for the Israeli Defense Forces and being able to, kind of understand more about their operations and their project. You see in the media all the time, you know, about, you know, news about, um, you know, what happens whenever there's an eruption of, of violence or a, a new conflict um, breaks out, you know, and you hear, all, you see all these headlines, right? But not being able to be there, you don't know how to process that information, you know? Um, so it's very interesting for me hearing their kind of, code, their ethical code, and their modus operandi, right, when it comes to those moments and how they are trained to act. Yeah. Um, I think that for me was very informational and very, um, that's, that's very good just to have as a background in terms of my own reporting, you know, because we, we try to, even as a, something that covers the Catholic Church, we try to get the perspective of the community on the ground, you know, and so having that as a background too, I think is it's, it's really helpful, you know, um, nothing is as valuable as being there and just seeing the reality yourself um, and and having that as, as a richness you can add to your own reporting. You know, so I think for me, just being able to be there and to see those areas was very enlightening, but also being able to hear um, from the army themselves, um, how they approach these things and what their, their tactics are, you know, that, that for me, I think was very valuable. It's interesting to me that the both of you so far have highlighted that day, the day of going to the Gaza border, the the army training camp, um, which is a a, a fake city. It's like a, a Gazan city that Israel has built up um, to to practice. It's not practice just to win, but practice also as far as um, making sure to reduce the possibility of 
civilian casualties. And speaking as an Israeli Jew whose son just finished um, serving as a paratrooper and served in those areas and trained in those areas and other flashpoint areas, it's important to me to hear that that was uh, resonant with you. Johnny, you're nodding. Um, what was your, your, you're muted still, so please unmute yourself, but you've been here a number of times. You report. What's, um, what was the highlight of this trip? Uh, regarding Gaza and border, I remember three numbers, um, 2.1 kilometers and 95% and, uh, you know, 15 seconds and the one word, resilience. So uh, they are living 95% peaceful time there, but it's uh, about only 2.1 kilometers away from the Gazan border. And when something happened, they need to take care of themselves within 15 seconds. Yeah. And um, uh, resilience is a one word. They can cope with all the uh, difficult situations and trauma. And uh, there I prayed for the people there. And also I could remember the people in North Korea, North Korean Christians and North Korean civilians, and we uh, have a border with North Korea. And, uh, you know, uh, it's very interesting to experience the uh, the tunnel uh, tunnel in the uh, army uh, base in, in the fake city, as you mentioned. Uh, we have also in the DMZ area, the tunnels by North Korea, North Korea. So, I actually, I, I, my, I myself been there and uh, even the, some Israeli friends who visited, uh, I, I introduced them to visit that place. And, uh, I could remember the people in North Korea and that the situation between North and South Korea when I was in Gazan border. So we need to pray for the peace of the civilian people to live yeah. in a peaceful, you know, uh, situation. You know, when you began speaking, I was going to push back and tell, then say, okay, this is getting old already. Everyone's talking about the Gaza border. But I then I realized as you began oh. to speak, no, no, but as you began to speak from Korea, you share you share a lot of the same. Yes. I didn't know you, I didn't know the North Koreans have tunnels under the border, but I can oh. relate to that and you can relate to what we live with. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we That's have many similarities uh, between uh, Korea and Israel. We yeah. can talk that later, right? Yeah, we, we, well, we spoke about that a little bit. You had some me do some video, mm-hmm. yeah, and that that that's for that's for another uh, conversation. That's a, an important conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you uh, ask me about the specific uh, remembrance about this summit, yeah. uh, as a medium, and I'd like to mention the what uh, 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 Lando uh, by Israel mentioned uh, specifically to reach out. Uh, to the people in the world, specifically uh, young generation, Gen Z, Z generation, yeah. to emphasize on uh, digital media and storytelling. So that, that was very impressive to me. And the, the results she has got up to now through what she has been doing through Vibe Israel was wonderful, successful. Through, very you nice. know, storytelling of the people uh, through, uh, you know, digital media. Very I think nice. it's very important for the media who are doing the media uh, work in this you know era yeah that was a that was a very good session and now now it's appropriate i didn't mean to do it in this order but um i guess ultimately god ordains these things felicia when you spoke mm-hmm. a, a lot of what you were speaking about was that that challenge for the young generation so i'd love to i'd love yes. for you to address that um and what you came away mm-hmm. with from the summit specifically but was there a was there a a, a different highlight was there something else um, that you thought being here first time at the summit that was particularly outstanding, Felicia? Uh, uh, cultural. Oh, sorry. 
and and yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, I was talking a little bit about this, how our mission as journalists is to really give readers and viewers you know perspectives, obviously, but also give them a chance to understand where Israel is coming from, in this case, Israel, can be other countries or other, you know, people. Uh, That is our job, uh, besides, you know, demanding answers maybe from people in power and and these type of things. So I think it's important not to forget that, to to really... um, uh, to really go deep uh, to try to understand and then also make it available and accessible to readers and viewers. And I think I think this, these days uh, helped with that as well, as you've all mentioned by now, um, seeing how daily life is uh, close to the border. And also they were able to speak on behalf of, you know, the Palestinians living on the other side of the border. I, I found that very generous also of the people living, uh, the Jewish people living close to the border. They were saying, you know, they are also suffering there on the other side. They are caught in between. And, you know, we want nothing more for them than than peace. And we would like to help them also to, to build their country. I um I think it's amazing how, you know, uh, a Jewish person after Jewish person, and I say Jewish because it's important in this case, that they, they will say, you know, we have a mission to rebuild our country, uh, to make our country grow, but we also want to help our neighbors, even right. though they are at war with us, even though they are trying to kill us. And we want to help them. We want to, uh, if we can help them with agriculture or with healthcare, we want to do that. And that was just, that was not like one, you know, PR person saying that. That was just ordinary Jewish people living close to the border. And I think a lot more people should, you know, uh, hear that and be aware of that because you will hear it wherever you go in Israel, that that's what people want. Um, it's not only, you know, the people speaking from Knesset about what we need to do military wise, but you have, you know, the regular people and they will say these things. I think that is, um, you know, could be an eye opener for, for a lot of people. That's important. That's uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Risto, you have a, a comment. I'm glad, by the way, I wanted to have this kind of interchange, you know, before you do Risto, I'm just mindful of the time. I want to take a quick break and then we're going to come right back and, and, and have you add to that. I want to pause on the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed, keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill, they are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier that's genesis 123.co slash bless a soldier and when you do you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people please join us okay 
This is getting into a great, one of the things I love about doing a podcast is I will kind of order things how I think maybe we should go in a logical progression of a conversation, but then they go off target. And I love that because, because that's really the, the show signs of a vibrant conversation. Risto, you wanted to add something before we took a break uh, to something that Felicia was saying. Yeah. About the youth and, and uh, what we heard from, from, um, from the panels so in the united states the the younger generations uh, within the evangelical community so they they hardly support israel anymore and and the the very same is is i think everywhere and the problem with with um, evangelical communities I, I think around the world is related to israel that that elderly believers they they have uh Kind of a sign of of uh, deep uh, commitment for Israel in their hearts, but th- they are not able to to um, tell about the facts, about the historical and political facts that that relate to Israel. They may know a um, lot of stuff from the Bible, but that's not enough today. So. What I'm doing here in Finland, I'm, I'm challenging. I'm I'm speaking in churches. I'm I'm uh, somebody's calling me a Bible teacher, and I'm I'm telling people everywhere that it is not enough that you know about the Bible or about the Israel from the Bible, but you you must know about the historical events, about different resolutions from d- during. Uh, the the 20th century, when Israel was was given a legitimate uh, right to to exist yeah. and to be founded. Well, let, and, let me just and, correct you for one point. Israel was voted by the United Nations, but Israel's legitimacy, of course, comes uh, from a biblical text, not from the United Nations. I think we all probably, of course, but when we are talking <laughs> about th- this world. Yes. Uh, okay. Then our our next generations are challenging us that you come on. Excellent. You just read the Bible and and that's not uh, enough today. And uh, in a way, I agree with them. And we as Christians, we we should be ready to yes to address them with with political facts, historical facts, and and that that's my concern that we are losing. Uh, the younger generation, not okay. not only one generation, but but well, maybe two. I, I, I want to go. In, I want to go in that direction, but I also I, I I again, Felisa, what you when I spoke to you after you spoke here in the conference, I really and I it wasn't me just being flattering. Your words were very powerful and appropriate, and you spoke. I'm, I I printed it. I'm so grateful you shared among the things that you said. The new generations growing up in the church do not have the same passion for and connection to this country, meaning Israel, partly because of secularization has happened within the churches, but they're also more previous generations basing their commitments on awareness and knowledge. And then then you continued by uh, by saying to a Christian, saying, I love and bless Israel, the new generations will ask why. And then you then you mm-hmm. caution people from which is so appropriate from over romanticizing it we need to be substantial so what i'd love to take this conversation and maybe felicia again your first time and you spoke about um those personal experiences that you had on the gaza border one of the challenges that we have here in israel 
or, or in reporting about Israel is that everything is focused on the conflict. Okay, it's during Christmas week. We'll spoke. We'll speak about um, um, the birth of Jesus, and that's significant. And there'll be news reporting about that. But but even that is overlaid with conflict. H- how do you, um, Felicia? You're doing this on a daily basis. How do you um, balance the conflict, which you saw, you 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 saw up close, very close, with the the, the biblical reality and the historical fact. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, um, uh, and I mean, I can speak for Sweden, but I do read international news as well. There is a lot of focus on 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 the conflict, and uh, like I was mentioning as well, you know, if you would measure if this was a competition on, you know, uh, who is suffering more, um, uh, people might say, you know, it's the Palestinians, and then they win. That's why we should only write about them or you know focus on this conflict. Uh, but that's such a narrow narrative. And uh, going back to what I said earlier, our job as journalists is to broaden the perspectives. Th- that's like that's why uh, that's what this profession is all about. Not to just take what's what's um, easy uh, and and uh, when you just lay rise on it at first, but to dig deeper and. Even um, I got I received an email because we we covered the conference a little bit in our newspaper and they they were writing, you know, um, quoting me what I said in my speech. And I received an email from a priest in Sweden, uh, a a female priest, which says something about Sweden, you know, also. Um, uh, And she said, you know, you mentioned that younger generations, they might want to combine, you know, a strong support for Israel and Israel's right to exist. But they also have compassion for the Palestinians. And you were mentioning that. But how was the reactions when you said that? Ah. Were there strong reactions? She was asking me. What a great so, question. You know, yes. And and I'm like, no, because, again, you know, when you speak to Jewish people, even though suffering from all these attacks and hate from especially Palestinian authorities, but, you know, Palestinians in general, the Arab world sometimes in general, um, they will still say, you know, we want peace and we want to help them build their country and so on and so on. So for them, uh, it's nothing strange to be able to combine those two thoughts at the same yeah. time. Yeah. And I think that's important for us to understand also when speaking to younger generations. And when I say younger generations, in this case, I don't necessarily even mean, you know, in their 20s or uh, teenagers and even, you know, 30 and up. Uh, are in this position where they don't have a natural connection being a Christian and supporting sure. Israel. So, so I mean, we need to be able to say that's okay to be able to have compassion in this conflict, in this, this particular political conflict, or, you know, if you want to call it religious or whichever narrative you want to put around it. But there's so, so much more, you know, so we need to broaden, broaden, broaden the narrative. And I think... Um, Younger generations appreciate that. They, like uh, Risto was saying, they want the arguments, they want the facts, they want the history, they want the polit- politics, they want the theology, and all these things combined. And that is, you know, our task. Sorry for taking so long. No, what a great. I feel passionate for this. Obviously. What a great perspective. <laughs> and you even heard that. And I, I, I was impressed. I don't want to go into this necessarily, but I was impressed at how well received 
one of our most right-wing political leaders and who's very controversial here and overseas. He was very well received by and large um, with, with the group. And also he spoke and said, I don't hate Arabs. I just hate terrorists. And he said he changed his perspectives from wanting to expel all Arabs for uh, 30 years ago when he was an adolescent. And now he is the 46-year-old father of six, six children and has a different perspective on that. And he even said, which surprised me, and I don't think this is a guy who was speaking to try to pander to Christian media. I think he was being very direct when he was saying there, there can and should be peace with the Arabs, but just not a peace of surrender, I think was his language. Um Elise, it's funny. I wanted to come to you. It's, I, I expected. I didn't expect when Felicia had said that she got a, a, a email from a priest that it would be a female priest. So not exactly up your alley. Um, but but again, a di- yeah. you, you approach this from a different perspective. What was what's your takeaway as you sit in Rome, following the Vatican, Israel and the Vatican have unique diplomatic relations which overlay religious. How does the conflict? portray and what was your takeaway from that well i'm glad you asked that question you know because as felicia was talking um i kept thinking you know how right it was she was saying you know uh, the need to broaden the perspective right and and one thing we try to do um is especially at crux you know is tell all sides you know we try not to be aligned with any one side or another we, we want to tell the story from all sides we want to include all voices um and so being able to have contact with people on the ground, you know, who are involved in politics and, and to be able to get their perspective is really helpful. And especially at the level, you know, the Holy See interacts a lot. It's basically, it, it exists, you know, as a country to be the bureaucratic headquarters of the Catholic Church. And so a lot of the Holy See's function um, is diplomatic. And so it, it, it And so therefore, a lot of things we cover are relations at a diplomatic level. We talk to a lot of diplomats. And um, and so politics are necessarily involved in that. um, And one example I want to give that I found very useful from the conference in terms of being able to broaden their perspective and tell um, the whole story, right, is, um, you know, um, one of the the issues that came up in a couple of the panels and conversations um, throughout the conference was the death of the, the Palestinian journalist, Shireen Abu Akla, Akla yeah. if I'm pronouncing yeah. that right. right. Um, you know, and obviously that has been enormously controversial um, across the, the globe um, since it happened in May. And um, not long ago, the Pope met with members of Shireen's family at right. the Vatican. They came to the Vatican and they met him in, in an audience. And a special mass was celebrated for them afterwards that was attended by both the Palestinian ambassadors to the Holy See and to Italy. Um, and you had Vatican diplomats there. Um, and so we were able, and, and from the beginning, we've always been able to tell that story more closely from the Palestinian side, but to be able to talk to the, the spokesperson from the Israeli Defense Forces who is there and who gave his perspective on that in, in his panel was interesting. And so I was able to talk to him about it and to give a, a little story about his perspective and, and where they came from um, with the whole incident um, and his his opinions on, on, on the Pope's meeting. And you say, look, it's great that the Pope met with them. It is wonderful he's being a pastor this is what he should do it's comfort to the family but you know this was not intentional he was able to give his perspective it's the whole side of the story that you otherwise wouldn't 
maybe we wouldn't have, you know, without being able to be there and to make some of these contacts, you know, um, you know, the Holy See itself um, has always been a firm support. You asked about, you know, um, the perspective on the conflict, you know, the Holy See has always been a supporter of a two state solution. Um, that's been their, their stance from the beginning. And so the Palestinians, I think, see the Vatican as a natural ally because they feel supported in that. Um, and I, I think that can be tricky sometimes when the Vatican is interacting with, you know, Israeli authorities, but um, they have very good relations and even with Israel in terms, you know, anybody you talk to, you know, we just recently talked to the Israeli ambassador to the Holy See as well. And he he's very adamant that, you know, the Holy See is a very strong ally and friend of the Jewish people. And so some of these little, some of these, when it comes to some of these solutions that the Vatican would like to see, the two-state solution, when it comes to issues like that, it can be a little dicey. But by and large, I think the Holy See tries to go beyond those things. And it says, okay, this is an issue. I don't know if we're ever going to agree on. This is what we would like. But let's try to focus on the things that can bring us together, you know, on, on either side. So they try to... These things are naturally part of the conversation, but I think what the Vatican tries to do, especially at the level of faith, is appeal at a different level to the populations. So you're so that's a great perspective, and following the uh, the, the Vatican and reporting on and about, then that's not then everything's natural from what you said. I'm curious from your perspective, e- either as a journalist or just as a as a person, did you come here and then all of a sudden see more more ways that that we can agree to agree on things was there was there less conflict than you imagined or 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 more or the same um i think what i understood is it's more complicated than it seems <laughs> and more complicated than what i understood the positions aren't necessarily so hard line they're very nuanced you yes. know and and that's the thing that i think needs to be understood when you're talking about the conflict and you're talking about so many of the issues that come up. It's a very nuanced conversation. And I think most people aren't really very aware of those nuances. It seems like a black and white conversation and it's not that simple. And I think for me, that was a big takeaway. And when I report on this, you know, trying to incorporate some of those nuances and some of the complicated aspects of this, you know, is going to be a big thing for me. It's not easy. I'll just share one quick story. Back in the 80s, I served as information officer for the Israeli consulate in Atlanta. And at that time, I ended up being the driver for a day for the then uh, Israel's ambassador to the United Nations, whose name is Benjamin Netanyahu, now our, our prime minister. And he came to Atlanta for one meeting when I was his driver. And his meeting was at CNN exactly to discuss the complexities of the nuance that you discussed, to try and have journalists with a a very large international footprint at the time begin to understand that. So amazing, and credit to you being here in this context for the first time like that, to take away that even if you don't understand it all, um, that that, that there is so much nuance, and it, it makes it complicated. Yeah. Great. Johnny, as we're talking about conflict... You, in, as a Korean mm-hmm. and reporting in Korea, can can relate to the conflict in a very different way than most uh, than most people and places in the world. How do you, in your representation of what's going on here, um, portray that, that that that's unique? 
regarding conflict, you mean? Yes. Um, as I mentioned, uh, when I was in Gazan border area, I could feel uh, how people, you know, live uh, in such a uh, situation with threat in everyday life, right? Uh, because we have a, you know, border line in uh, DMZ, 38 parallel line yeah. with North Korea. And as you uh, may know through international media, we have a lot of, you know, missiles uh, uh, tests from North Korea, even uh, a few days ago. So uh, uh, in some sense, it's going to be very uh, threatening uh, for us to live in this kind of situation. But at the same time, we are, live, we are living in a peaceful way uh, because, you know, we have our own uh, defense system and the uh, United States uh, helps us a lot uh, militarily uh, as an ally uh, to stand against that kind of threat. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes many people in the uh, overseas uh, mention uh, and compare uh, what's happening in uh, Korean Peninsula uh, with the, uh, what's happening in Israel, Jerusalem and the Gaza, near Gaza area uh, or something. So, uh, so in that sense, uh, for me, uh, I'm uh, kind of uh, familiar with that kind of situation. And uh, I, I concentrate on uh, 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 you know, uh, feeling uh, the, the the emotion and uh, the sensitiveness of the people living there, and also at the same time, I, I mentioned before uh, the, the people living in North Korea. So I, I pray we pray for them, uh, so that they may uh, live in peace uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Excellent, excellent point. So, so it, it other than the nuance which uh, Elise is speaking about, um, Koreans can relate to the conflict here on a much more mm-hmm. personal basis than probably most people in mo- most parts of the world. Right. In that sense, I'd like to uh, give a big hand for uh, Abrahamic Accord, uh, which can make, you know, a peaceful living together with the uh, surrounding countries with Israel. Yes, it's a good start. Thank you. If you're like most people in the world, you know about the Holocaust, but never met, much less interacted with the Holocaust survivor or heard their stories of suffering and survival. With the remaining elderly survivors dying at an unprecedented pace, in less than a generation, there will be none alive. Yet, while they did survive, and for that we need to celebrate them, many still suffer trauma from their youth. As they age, they have increasing needs. And living on fixed incomes, sometimes with no pension, things as simple and essential as basic foods, heating in the winter, medicine, And inflation can push someone over the line from surviving to struggling again. It can create stress in their lives that reminds them of the suffering they endured as young people. It's just not acceptable that anyone who suffered as much should struggle with basic needs or any undue stress in their twilight years. I want to invite you to join the Genesis 123 Foundation to bless the survivors. Yes, we pray that you'll donate personally and do so generously. And when you do, we also give you the opportunity to send your personal blessings and words of encouragement to the survivors themselves to brighten their day and let them feel your love. Having been privileged to provide financial resources to help survivors on a day-to-day basis, I know it makes a difference and is very appreciated. But your personal note that we translate into Hebrew, Russian, or Yiddish really makes them smile and warms their heart. I pray you'll join us 
by going to genesis123.co slash hug a survivor. That's genesis123.co slash hug a survivor. And please share this with others. We can't undo the suffering that they endured. And there's no limit to what the needs are, but we can never do too much to comfort them in their final years. Please join us. God bless you. Uh, Risto, I want to begin to wrap up with you um, and then Felice, because I know we're running out of time. Um, Again, you with all of those hats. Now, let's convert your hats to balls. You juggle a lot of them. And and how do you handle and also a, a Scandinavian country that's somewhat liberal um, and, and you alluded to it uh, in some of your previous comments. How do you overlay the, the, the nuance um, of the conflict so people get it? Mm-hmm. I just recently wrote um, in Finnish a blog post uh, titled uh, If Israel is an apartheid state, then is also Finland. Wow. And, you know, uh, we have a 1,342 kilometer long border with Russia. And, um, you know, we all know what Russia has done to Ukraine, but Russia hasn't done anything Uh, bad for Finland and we are building a fence uh, on the border didn't know that we have we have closed the doors uh, for all Russian tourists for normal Russian people and um, you know even though if they own a real estate in Finland so the government don't let doesn't let them in I support all these uh, elements of, of, uh, you know, uh, showing the Russians that we don't accept what they are doing in Ukraine. But I think that now, uh, through my writings, I I wanted to show and present the situation in Israel, which is uh, somehow uh, quite similar than, than what we are doing here now in Finland. So we are really racist here in Finland. And, <laughs> and of course, I'm, I'm saying this as, as to, to wake up people. Because in Israel, we need to understand that they have a real threat. They have rockets and, and terrorists coming in uh, over the border. So in Finland, we, we uh, protect ourselves in a very same manner than Israelis do, even though... No threat has uh, yet come to into our country. No so that w- what how I see the situation, and I I think it's it's been a gra- quite good discussion based on my article here because people start to understand what's going on in Israel and what's going on in sure. in Finland. You made you made it relatable to something that Finns can can consider, and and anyone who shares a border with Russia and and countries that don't share borders with Russia are a little concerned about what Russia's next steps might be. So that's right. Uh, that's and uh, and uh, even though I, 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 I put it in a, a bit kind of um, ironic way at uh, the comparison, but I fully support the, the Finnish and the European Union uh, 
policy to to stop Russians coming into the union. Okay, thanks for sharing that, Felicia. I want to wrap up. Just give you give each of you in in your in a minute or so an opportunity to share what what other outtake what you 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 were invited here. By the way, people should know that when when you're invited, the government press office is not paying for your plane ticket, but is paying for your, all your ground accommodations during the course of the summit. What's what additional takeaway or something that you would share that was unique or special about that experience that we haven't discussed today? Yeah, I, w- I was thinking about that. So so great that you're asking because you know uh, we cir- we keep circling back to the conflict. We're saying, you know, it's broader than the conflict with the Israel's neighbors. There's so much more, but then, you know, we still circle back to it, which is, you know, natural also. It's a lot of focus on that. But um, the Bible coming alive in Israel, I mean, it is, I don't know if, if you're allowed to use the word magic, but it, it almost feels like magic. It's not magic, but but the sensation, I mean, we were able to visit um, some excursions as well. Is that the, the word for it? Um, and, and the, you know, the city of David and everything that has been found there, that is just proof after proof after proof to the biblical text that we've been, you know, reading as Christians and as Jews, uh, if we're uh, referring to the Old Testament. I, I mean, I really wish for every single Christian or every person in the world to be able to have the opportunity to visit Israel and to really see these historical events and biblical uh, stories come alive. I think that's one of the most amazing things you can experience in Israel and in Jerusalem as well. And I really wish that for, for so many more people. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, they are still finding uh, new things all the time that, you know, oh, this refers to, to you know, um, this prophet and this refers to this text in the Bible and this, oh, we found this coin and this is exactly the way it's described in that book. And, you know, right. it, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and it's very few other places in the world where this uh, happens in, in so many cases. So uh, that's that's a huge takeaway as well for me. Amazing. Thank you. Johnny, when, when Felicia started speaking, you started nodding very uh, aggressively. Yeah. What 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 additional takeaway would you like to add or 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 um, amplify what what she just said? Yeah, first of all, I'd like to say amen to what the Felicia said about the city of David. It was great, great findings, right? Well, let me mention about the uh, cultural uh, facts, specifically the Orthodox community. You know, it is very difficult for foreigners to uh, understand what's going on in the uh, Orthodox community. But this time, through the summit, the executive producer of the, the wonderful uh, drama called Shutizel, you know, presented a wonderful, you know, experience, uh, experience. Uh, she and the, her team experienced when they uh, drama Shutizel. Through this Shutizel's tour, uh, how the Orthodox people live, the lifestyle, their concern, their world. I think we're losing some bandwidth, but what a great what a great comment about about understanding Israel also through the prism of Orthodox Jews uh, like myself and 
and others who are here. If Johnny is able to come back and join us, we'll pick up the conversation. Um, Elise, what, uh, what, what was your takeaway? What's the last, the extra thing that you would add to that? Oh, well, I think just echoing some of the comments that have already been made and some of what Felicia was saying um, for me about sort of the spiritual heritage of Israel and particularly being in Jerusalem for, you know, the Christian Media Summit was very um, valuable. And um, there's just something, yeah, she used the word magical, right? Um, But there's something very special about being able to be there when you're talking about all of this and and kind of living and taking all that in and being able to visit the city of David was very special and to see um, history, right? It's a biblical history, your history of your, your faith, you know, um, there. So that was something that's very special. And I, one thing I would have liked to see an, at least one more visit to one of those sites in, in, um, in the program. From my understanding, that's happened in previous editions of the, the, the summit, though. So um, I understood it's too difficult to fit everything in all in one one year, you know, in one, one right. event. So perhaps in, in a future summit, there will be some of that. But um, I think I would also like to just highlight that aspect of it is something that I think, um, in addition to trying to understand um, the complexities of the geopolitics of, of Israel and, and of the, the regional situation, I think trying to go to that spiritual level and, and to really soak in all of the the history of the faith um, and, the, and, and the scriptures is something that can't be missed when you're there. Amazing. Thanks for sharing that. You know, to amplify what you said, and and uh, first of all, I, I don't want to forget anyone who's listening now for the first time or missed last week's podcast. It's about the city of David. So people need to go li- back to listen to, to last week's episode because we're discussing the, the origin, origins of Jerusalem specifically that week in, in relationship to a, um, a fast day that we just uh, observed here in Israel. Um, but Johnny, so you speaking about the Orthodox uh, perspective. So I'm going to extend at least an offer to the four of you, um, whether you're here together next time for the summit or on an individual basis, that you'll come to my home, my community, maybe we'll have an Orthodox experience, and you'll join uh, my family for Shabbat. But because it's an Orthodox community, and I live over the green line, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of uh, exposure to conflict and coexistence as well, which will be a pleasure. Uh, Risto, I'm going to give you the Final word again. Not your first summit, but what's um, what was what? What one thing did we not discuss that that the, the organizers of the summit need to hear that people who are listening to this conversation mm-hmm. didn't yet hear about what was unique and significant? Wow, uh, so many things, and and uh, I think that that the as you just referred to uh, coexistence. And the relationship between uh, Christians and Jews. So the our, our Jewish roots, uh, which we Christians uh, have quite often, or we do neglect in in churches today. And and I think that as, as Felicia said that you know Bible comes alive, and and uh, so that uh, we are so so close and and uh, originated uh, from from the jewish people from the jewish culture and and from the jewish faith and i think that that was really what in in the first uh, evening uh bishop stearns and and the rabbi discussed that and and um 
So that was really valuable for me and, and so many, so many other things. So the list is long. So the list is, <laughs> the list is long and the conference was only four and a half, day, three and a half days. So right, um, right. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I, I want to thank you all so much. Um, I, I hosting new friends, old friends, colleagues, um, and, and thank you for taking the time and, and sharing your, your experience, your perspective, Elise, Felicia. Risto and Johnny, what a delight. And I feel like we could go on for another few hours having this conversation and maybe we'll pick topics and maybe you'll be my panel to come back to um, in the future. So really, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for having us. It was a yeah. delight. It was a delight. Thanks. So as I've, this is actually only our second episode into 2023, but last year at this time, we began a new thing. I always like to say tongue in cheek. This is a great conversation. No one needs a gift for listening this long, but if you, des- you but you deserve a reward. So last year we began something called From Jonathan's Bookshelf, where every month I give away a free uh, a copy of a special volume relating to Israel. Uh, and all you need to do in order to receive that is follow and like Inspiration from Zion on all of our social media, and share the program where I'm going to then pick one person at random to receive this month's, uh, this month's uh, book from, from my bookshelf. Um, I al- always have to give a recognition to our sponsors. First, the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're ever in the area in Culpeper, stop in and thank them for helping make uh, conversations like this possible. And also thank you to the Coin family as well for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis one, two, three foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help with a donation of your own to help continue the dialogue and build bridges between Jews and Christians. And it's really my honor and privilege to uh, dedicate this episode in honor of Nitzan Chen, Hadassah Schwartz, and all of the incredible staff at the Israel Government Press Office who made this um, this conversation possible and exposing the uh, the, the the wonders, the depth, the nuance and, uh, of, of Israel to so many important friends overseas. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or special occasion, please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. As always, we'd love to hear your questions and comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to send those uh, at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com, specifically questions you have about traditional Judaism, although this conversation opened up a whole lot of other questions, and I would love to field those as well. Please share this with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here, where we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics in Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.